Welcome to another episode of the Agency Freedom Podcast, where we take our listeners from captive to indie to market domination. I am your host, James Jenkins. Thank you uh, for coming along on another step in the adventure. My guest for this episode is Mr. Miles Merwin. Miles is the agency principal of Advisors Insurance Agency in South Carolina. He's also the founder and uh, I don't know what to call him, the boss, the grand poobah, the CEO of Producers to Principles, which is a coaching and content program that is helping people stop being producers and start being principals and acting more like principals, as uh, we will get into in great detail in this episode. Uh, I had the privilege of meeting Mr. Merwin back last year in 2021 at the Agency Intelligence Brain Share event hosted by Mr. Jason Cass. It was a lovely event. I look forward uh, to seeing Miles in person as well as many of you, I am sure. As I record this, uh, it is about two months away and uh, Brain Share in 2022 will be in Kansas City. I'm definitely going to be recording some content up there, I can promise you. So, as we always do, as we're about to lead into the episode, please subscribe, drop a review if you like what you hear, and most importantly, share Agency Freedom Podcast with someone who needs this content. This podcast will always be 100% free. The content that I deliver will uh, be delivered authentically and without reservation. And thanks so much for uh, your support along the way. We are well on our way to hitting our goal of 50,000 downloads in our first year. For a tiny little organic podcast, I think that's pretty dang good. Uh, I'm really enjoying getting to do this with you. It's a lot of fun. Reach out if there's anything I can help you with. If you have suggestions, if you have complaints, uh, anything that you want to connect with me on, podcast at riskwell.com, podcast at riskwell.com. Let's hit the bumper. This is episode 43 of the Agency Freedom Podcast. Let's go. There are two kinds of people in the insurance industry, those who are captive and those who are free. This is the Agency Freedom Podcast. There is so much I wish I would have known before I made the freedom jump to the independent side. I mean, even now, I feel like I'm learning something new every single month. We're all about helping insurance agency owners and sales professionals reach your maximum potential and flex your freedom. My team and I replaced six years of captive agency revenue in 17 months with Riskwell. 17 months, man. It's crazy. This show is where I share our successes, our failures, and what I've learned along the way. We lay out a blueprint of how to make your freedom jump from captive to indie to market domination. I'm bringing you colleagues from markets across the country with dozens of different specialties. They're eager to share their stories and best practices with you. I'm your host, James Jenkins. Welcome to Agency Freedom Podcast. Let's go. And you know what? It's a... Uh, Unless something is just going to get someone in trouble, like violating a contract or an NDA or something, we don't edit anything out. Oh, and, wow. you know, I, I don't mind saying this <laughs> because it's it's my podcast and, you know, what are they going to do? Uh, but we recorded uh, with an underwriter from a very well-known uh, company 
And I told them up front, I'm not editing this. I told them before we recorded, I'm not editing this. If, uh, if there's a problem with it and you guys aren't willing to get over it, then I'm just going to pull the episode and we can you know, just forget the whole exercise. And we recorded it and their compliance team, like three levels up in the carrier, like the underwriter thought it was great. The underwriter's boss, the boss's boss, the boss's boss's boss. We're all like, whoa, this was great. Good episode. Yeah. And somebody in legal and compliance is like, <laughs> and they sent an email. I swear it was like eight requests. One of them was, I need you to remove the joke about the high school wanting to be an insurance agent. And I'm just like, let me get this straight. Your carrier wants me to remove a comment about your aspirations for your career in high school that has absolutely no bearing on this carrier. And he's like, yep, it's pretty ridiculous, huh? And I was like, this is exactly what I was trying to avoid. So all that to say, the the episodes don't get edited at all uh, and, unless I'm just flat out required to for the benefit of my guest. Because, you know, that was the very reason why that kind of, I did not want to go into the financial world of financial advising because the compliance I try to be as compliant as possible, but the very fact that I open a business and I'm an entrepreneur means I'm not very compliant and yeah. for the most part. And uh, I had my securities license over at um, a captive insurance carrier who was playing in the financial space. I won't mention their name. Then you might have to edit. Uh, but man, the compliance guy would come in and he would just eat my lunch every time. He's like, you can't do that. You can't do that. You can't say that. You can't email that, Miles. Stop it. I'm going to have to, you know, you won't be able to do this anymore. I'm like, I, I'm, I can't do this anymore. Not only do I not want to, I can't. And not only can't I, I don't want to. No, <laughs> no want it to. was such an interesting conversation because when I left Farmers, and I'll name names, I don't care. I name names openly here. I too was a 6 and 63 person in my past life. And man, I could not get rid of those designations fast enough. It was oh, like... Yeah breathing air for the first time when I realized that I didn't have to answer to FINRA or the SEC or the SIPC ever again. I was like, hey, you know what? All those transactions, they're closed. My principal signed off on the sale of my agency. I have no ongoing liability for anything. Uh, so middle finger to you, FINRA. You guys don't get to mess with me anymore. And yes, I am surrendering my six and 63. And no, I don't intend to ever do financial advising ever again. Mm. What, I mean, God bless you. If that's the world that you're in and more power to you, there's plenty of people that are wildly successful. But man, I mean, you want to talk about the most miserable, soul-sucking job in existence if you're a compliance person in the financial services industry. I cannot imagine a more miserable, pitiful existence if that is the way that you spend all of your work hours. It's like, wow, you really are without imagination, aren't you? Or, or either that or you're just the kind of person who enjoys the absolute monotony of, you know, slapping people's hand nine hours a day for the next yeah. X number of years of your career. Whatever. Now that we've successfully pissed off two segments of our audience... <laughs> Uh, financial advisors <laughs> and FINRA, they're perfectly. Oh, yeah. But here's the beauty of it. I don't answer to them anymore, so I don't care if That's they're right. mad. <laughs> you can't touch me, la, la, That's la, right. la, la. That's right. <laughs> oh, I should probably tell these people who you are, shouldn't they, Miles? Go for it, man. 
You know, uh, gosh, I don't even know how to do the intro the way that you would. Uh, My guest for this episode is none other than possibly the best looking redhead in the world. Uh, Mr. Miles Merwin, the Merwinator, if you will. And uh, I invited him on, aside from the fact that he's just a very intelligent and likable and interesting person. Uh, He's also incredibly good at this game that you and I are playing, Freedom Jumpers. Uh, he's, he's an agency principal. He is also the founder of the Producers to Principals coaching program, uh, which I'm sure we'll talk about here. Um, and the rest of it you'll have to do yourself because I don't know you that well, my man. I know you well enough to give your, your brief professional bio, but why don't you take us away on, on the rest of the, the brief layup to the Miles Merwin story? Hey, well, thanks for the intro. And uh, it was fantastic to meet you for the first time. The first time we ever spoke... Uh, I saw you in San Antonio, Texas. You were at the Brain Share, but I didn't know who you were at all. And uh, so we are sitting down at a table. It's some sort of Brain Share thing. We're talking about some sort of topic. And James is sitting right beside me. And there's a couple of the guys, other guys at that table. We start talking about topics. And I could tell instantly we had a couple people at the table that just like to talk about me and I. And then there was a couple people at the table, James and I, that liked to just ask questions and listen to other people talk. And so I was like, well, this is a guy that I think I'm going to like to get to know over the years. No, man, that's very kind of you. And I 100% felt the same way. Yes. I can always tell at those no, tables, that- and no offense to anyone else, uh, but there's always the agency owners that talk about what I do, what we do versus the agency owners who are asking, tell me a bit more about that. Why do you do that? Now, what went into the and process I gotta say, of thinking through that? In all fairness, if Cameron Petcha is listening to this episode, Cam, you have a lot to say. And I was asking questions mostly because, golly, he runs a fantastic agency. His team is like 40 people at that agency. But of all the people that could talk for a long time about what they're doing and how they're doing it. Cameron Betcha is definitely one of the people that I'm totally okay with him just yeah. going on and on and on because it's really good stuff. He's sharp guy. So, he's super sharp. Guy. Yeah. Yeah. I, I just wanted to make sure in case he's like, wait a second, they're talking about me. I was at that table with Miles and James. You bastards. <laughs> we love you for it. Oh, yeah. No, no doubt. No doubt. No. Well, so I, uh, uh, what, what's the personal side of things? Where are you in life? You know, family situation, you know, what, what are you into hobbies wise? Like what's that side of the coin? I have a really good idea of the professional side of the coin just because I, I see a lot of your content and I, I read your posts and comments and whatnot. You've got some great insight. Uh, what about you outside of work? Uh, well, I have two kids. Uh, my son turned five yesterday. And my daughter is 10, so I have a 10-year-old and 5-year-old. I'll be married going on 15 years this year. Woo! 15. Uh, All right. 15, man. Raise that roof, man. The days are long and the years are extremely short. You ain't Uh, lying. Hobbies, I'm kind of a serial hobbyist, I like to call it. I like to try everything and get about 50% of the way into it so I could like do that hobby with anyone who's decently good and, and they'd be like, oh yeah, how long have you been doing this? I'm like, oh, a while. Uh, but I'm never 100%. So I, can, I mean, I have an organ and I can play it. I have a guitar and I can play it. We have pianos, I can play it. If you gave me a wind instrument, I could probably figure out and play it. I have kayaks, mm. I have classic cars, I have 
golf clubs. I have, you know, disc golf frisbees. Uh, let's just have smokers. You know, I have all the toys and hobbies, and I am decently, averagely good at all of them. Thank God to just being a naturally decent at most things. Uh, but none of them would I say that I am an absolute expert on. I'm playing rhythm guitar. I'm not lead guitar. I can mm. play some back tracks on the piano, but you're not going to want me do a solo. You know, that kind of thing. Hmm. Man, I have so much respect for people that take that approach. You know, the 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 Rain Man, Renaissance Man, whatever you want to call it, uh, that approach where you're proficient in a great variety of things. Because I'm the exact opposite. I used to be like that. I really did. It, back when I had, you know, more available time. But I, I'm out of balance, as uh, Grant Botma would say. I'm not living in work-life harmony uh, in this stage of life currently. So it's like, okay, I have one, maybe two things, and I have a single brain cycle to give to uh, before I'm back to the next thing. It, it, I just really appreciate people like you that have so many uh, different things that they're capable of doing. Um, it's kind of, I, kind I can't of play the piano. As well. It's kind of seasonal. Yeah. Like, um, you know, I have kids. So what I mean by seasonal is my daughter's taking piano lessons. So, you know, we have one. She's into it. I sit down, watch YouTube videos and learn how to play things on the piano, which I don't know how to read mm -hmm. music. But it's seasonal because I never played piano before. But now that my daughter's into it, I try to get into it because it's something we can do together. Or my mm. daughter turns six or so. I never played golf. But she was had a lot of energy, and we were members at a golf. We became members at a club here nearby, and so I knew that she could ride on the golf cart and run on the golf course for two miles while I hit a golf ball. And we got to be outside together. So it's kind of out of the one of those things for hobbies. Like, if it works with the kids too, we can all do something together. Then I'm all for it. But like you said, like I don't have the time to be excellent at any of them. Yep. No, that's, I definitely appreciate where you're coming from there, man. Uh, remind me where you, you're in one of the Carolinas, right? Is it North or South? South. South. Okay. Shame on me for not knowing. Cause I know someone who's in one of the Carolinas, you're like, buddy, there's a big difference between North and South. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Especially the insurance world. Oh yeah. Yeah. I mean, coastal Carolina in South Carolina is a lot more exposed than North is right. Yeah, we are. Well, North Carolina has a huge line of beach as well. Um, but I just yeah, mean as far as like the hurricane path. North Carolina gets less, I would say, because they typically come up through maybe northern part of South Carolina coast and kind of cruise through North Carolina. Um, mm. but I, I don't know. It's probably about 50 50 where they're hitting the north side of South Carolina or North Carolina. Yeah, I'm just showing North my ignorance on the Atlantic side. seaboard. I, I don't know nearly as much about that side of the coast as I do the Gulf Coast because, you know, we, we write quite a bit of coastal uh, in, yeah. in Texas and elsewhere on the Gulf Coast. But obviously Atlantic Coast is a whole different animal. Uh, just come on out to Myrtle Beach. Uh, dirty oh, Myrtle. Man. Yeah, but Myrtle's not too far from Hilton Head and that's where all the all the bougie people hang out. You know, the yeah, one time I went to Hilton Head, I'm just like, difference. Whew, I, I'm not nearly cool enough or rich enough to be here. It's like, th this crowd is not my crowd, this Hilton Head crowd. I, I don't think I have enough zeros in my bank account. <laughs> you will see, no, James. Man. You will see. Uh, aspirations, right? There you go. Aspirations. Um, 
So what are we talking about today, man? Honestly, I invited you on just because I find you an interesting person and I don't have any idea where this call is going, which probably means it's an excellent episode waiting to happen. Well, I'll tell you the other day I sent you a message because I asked you if you wanted to be a coach on my Produces the Principles program because I, you know, I own an, one quote that I, I learned a while back ago, it's hard to be successful at success meaning you open an insurance agency or whatever your business is, right? And you're doing it fairly well. You've, you, you know, you've, you've made a name for yourself. And then as soon as you do, you know, you start to get opportunities, right, James? Like people start calling on you. They think that you've got it all together. How did you do it? Or they bring you investment opportunities. Hey, you know, would you like to invest in real estate or this thing or that thing, right? You start to get pulled away from the very thing that created the success in the first place. And so I have to always kind of retrain myself. Do I, how do I stay focused on the very thing that created the success in the first, success in the first place? And, um, and so in this, but part of that is if I, I've tried to say, if I'm willing to get distracted, I want it to be something in the industry of which I know. So if I'm going to be distracted, keep it within the insurance business because that's what created success in the first place. And so I've allowed myself to get distracted from the operations of my business by other agency owners who are also building their agencies. And I don't know what it is, James. I get really excited and uh, distracted to work with other insurance agency owners. It's a lot of fun. And so this, this like want to go help other insurance agency owners, I don't know where it comes from. And every time I'm working with one, they're like, man, I just want to be where you are, where I can help other insurance agency owners. I'm like, what is it about us? We get want, We allow ourselves to get distracted to go help other agency owners. My... My personal lines guy, my producer in my office, we, we take walks at my office. We do it two or three times a day unless it's raining outside. Um, he asked this morning on the walk because I was describing what we're doing with agency freedom and, and I'm putting the, the pieces together to help people make that freedom jump. And, and you know, I, I'm not letting the cat out of the bag yet, uh, but we're, we're doing some structural things to, to help people move from the captive world. And then, you know, other stuff down the line for people that are early stage in their career. And, and it really dovetails nicely with what you're doing with Producers to Principles. I think uh, th that knowledge base is unique enough that we're not going after the same profile at all. But Jonathan said, what's in it for you? I don't understand. And I said, I intend to milk my colleagues and become fabulously wealthy. And he said, really? I was like, no, not really. I'm, I'm, no. <laughs> Wealthy and obviously, friendships and knowledge, yes, but not financial. Obviously, obviously, that's not the answer to the question. Uh, but he was asking a, a genuine question of, you know, why do I spend this time helping other industry people? Because it doesn't sell a policy. And there's definitely a balance to that. Uh I got I got to to show some love to my my friend uh, Ryan Hanley and he recorded an episode with Billy Williams I'm sorry Doctor Billy Williams he earned that PhD uh, and their episode it released on January 27th honestly God I was really convicted by it because they're just ruthlessly making fun of people that want to be insurance famous 
and, and people that put too much stock in talking to their peers rather than going out and selling a policy and prospecting and building relationships and growing the agency and whatnot. And I'm sitting there going, man, I'm so guilty of that. I, I have been the one who's spending more time in the insurance Facebook group than I should uh, and, and putting more thought and effort into things that have nothing to do with selling a policy or helping a channel partner or growing my agency. And there's definitely a balance there. Uh, like, like you said, uh, you, you need to be fully present in your agency, but also have, you know, valuable pet projects that take you away. Like for you, uh, producers to principals, which is probably a perfect segue to ask you, what is that? So two things, it was born out of probably something similar to what you're talking about too. It was born out of, I had, I was trying to recruit producers from my agency, right? which is always a challenge to find people in my goal in my agency is I don't want any partners. Um, it's just, just kind of how I set it up. I don't want business partners that like, like owners in my agency with me. Um, yeah. maybe inside businesses, but not in the main, you know, in the, in the bread and butter. And so well, there's a very big difference between equity or phantom equity and ownership. There's a fundamental difference between those two things. We could have the equity versus ownership conversation. I'd, I'd actually yeah. like to get your take on that after you finish this intro that I've so rudely interrupted you with. <laughs> it's your uh, podcast. But no, no, no. I, I kid you not. My wife was like a few episodes ago. She's like, would you stop interrupting people? It's like, but it's my podcast. She goes, I don't care. It's rude. Just like, yes, ma'am, yeah. you're right. <laughs> and then here I go again, interrupting you during your, your talk. So you're finding staff and you don't want to give up uh, ownership. And yeah, so I was trying to find staff and, you know, one of the issues that we hear about and I hear it from David Carruthers in, in one of his speeches is that um, how do you retain top talent in your insurance agency? Not only how do you retain them, how do you get top talent? And a lot of agency owners use the equity partner, you know, lawyer, real estate firm type thing. You can become partner once you get big enough. Doctors offices do that. And that wasn't really my goal. And so I was trying to figure out how do I how do I attract top talent and retain top talent in my insurance agency and also give that mental freedom that the entrepreneurial person who is good at being a producer gives them that mental freedom to stay. And so I kind of dreamed up the producers the principals program. So it originally is and I still do this as well is helping helping team members uh, basically open up their own insurance agencies if they want to. So if you come into my business and you're a producer for the next 12 to 18 months and you're just a top talent type of person and they say, man, I, I want to do this on my own. I want to go, oh, my dream is to run an insurance agency, not to be a producer in one forever. I want to grow a team and do that. Great. Well, I will help you do that. There's enough business out there in our town that I'll help you do that. And we can be friends and I'll help you go out and open up your own insurance agency with your own name on it and you can go do that. And we won't be equity partners. We're just gonna watch each other grow and be successful. And um, and so I said, helping team members open up their own insurance agencies. But I added on there and Brett, uh, Brent Kelly helped me with this. I added on to the back end, but I hope my culture is so strong that you never wanna leave. And so that was the goal. And it was that mental freedom from the producers on my team to say, hey, if you come in here and you say, I want to own my own agency and after 18 to 24 months, you still want to do that and you want to go see, see what I do and you and that's what you want, 
I'll help you get there. My goal is hopefully with the mental freedom is if you get in here and you have the mental freedom that you could go do that, that my ultimate goal is they say, you know what? I'm glad that I have the opportunity. Miles is willing to allow me to go do that and put the muscle behind it to make that happen. However, I'm perfectly okay letting him handle all that stuff and I just stay here and take care of my customers. That's actually, after watching what happens, that's what I wanna do. And so Producers the Principle was a mental freedom for my producers to allow them to say, if that's what they wanna do, I'll help you get there. But if you decide to stay, I, I hope that too. Does that make sense? No, that is absolutely fantastic, man. I, I love the, the clarity that you're willing and eager to provide to your team members because that kind of, of transparency breeds a whole lot of trust and breeds a lot of loyalty. And that in itself helps lend to your culture and your office and becomes a self-perpetuating system, which is very smart on your uh, your part there, my friend. I'm, I'm not at all surprised to hear you say that because honestly, the first thing I thought when I heard you talk in uh, in person in San Antonio was, my gosh, this guy really understands the industry. Uh, he doesn't understand just just sales. Because I mean, lots of people are good at selling, but they're not good at being an agency owner for uh, you know any number of reasons. And then there's certain people where you just see the comments and posts on social and you hear someone talk, just like, this person gets it. They're, they're in that circle that I need to be close to. Uh, and, you know, I recently joined uh, Cass's uh, Agency Intelligence Mastermind group. I paid okay. my 99 bucks a month. And a lot of people are like, what? Why are you joining now? Why haven't you already joined? Where have you been? I'm just like, uh, do you, you don't know. I have way more going on than I should, and I would not be a good colleague I'd be one of those people that pays the hundred bucks a month and you literally never see me. I'm never in the group. I'm not on the live calls. I don't participate in any way because there's 12 other things going on. But yeah. thankfully, uh, our team has, has been able to evolve. And I recently offloaded several things from my plate and promoted uh, someone on my team to be uh, basically an ops manager uh, where she is now taking care of a lot of things that used to be on my plate that are no longer. Uh, but she's leaving on maternity in uh, in early May, so this is kind of a test drive. So I am enjoying a little bit of freedom, uh, and, and suddenly there's more time on my plate and less time on Addie's plate. But yep. that's what she wanted, and I'm perfectly happy to give her that promotion and, and more responsibility. It, it's really cool money, to see. You know? And you have to decide yeah. if it's worth if if what what is worth more. Do you need the money, or do you, uh, or is the time worth more? And you know, recently I kind of did something similar in my agency, and I wrote a blog about do delegate and delete. And it was one of my in the beginning of the year. And so, um, you know, uh, the other part of that was do delegate delete, and then begin to uh, reduce and refine, start to reduce the things I pay attention to and refine the ones that I am going mm -hmm. to pay attention to. And part of that was making a decision where I was, my goal was to increase our profit margin, our operating profit margin, but then I started to value my time and look at the both of them was like, okay, I do want to increase profit margin operationally in my business. However, I more want extra time. And so yep. that doesn't help this number. And so I did something very similar as you and paid paid someone on my team to create more time for myself. But 
you know, it doesn't create more operating profit, but puts time on my well, hands. You know, one of the things that I found myself starting to say more regularly, because everybody has heard the concept of the time value of money. But if you flip that thing on its head and we really start to look at the money value of time and how we are allocating our time and the, the cost of every minute of your day, it can be a little depressing, honestly, uh, to do it, uh, that, that exercise where you, you literally just uh, record how you have spent every minute of your day. I, I do it in 15 minute blocks. When I'll, I'll do this, this exercise usually, you know, once or twice a year where we do it for two or three full days and literally every 15 minutes you pause for a second and write out one sentence of what you did the prior 15 minutes and be honest, don't lie or the whole exercise is completely pointless. Uh, but cataloging that and then looking at the, the monetary value of that time, it's like, whew, that, that relationship gets uh, skewed the older we, we, we get and the longer we're in this business and the more money we have, the more we realize, wait a second, this is just a tool. This is nothing but a scorecard. And, you know, the time is the great equalizer. Your 168 hours this week, Mr. Merwin, sir, uh, are the same 168 hours that I have, the same 168 hours that Bill Gates and Jeff Bezos and uh, Denzel Washington, and I'm just naming names now, everybody has the same time, is absolutely the great equalizer. It, it is the ultimate scorecard, how we spend our time. So I, I love that you made that decision. I'm certainly glad that I did. And, and really, Addie is glad too, because she got the opportunity to level up. Uh, she's taken the next step in her career, and I'm very proud of her, and everybody wins. Yeah. Cool so a well uh, couple of things. Found... Any... Go ahead, sorry. I was going to say, the cool thing that I found is, I always talk about the 80-20 the principle, but 80-20 when it comes to spending your time on things that, that energize you and, and are exciting is you're able to free up time from things that are, are energy draining and then add time to things that are energy providing. And so you're able to start to do 80% of your time is invest in things that are enjoyable to you, like podcasting or like spending time helping agency owners or whatever it is, because that's exciting. That's like closing a big deal to you. Whereas a sales producer on your team, exciting them is go close a $25,000 revenue account. Well, exciting to you is helping an agency owner drive $50,000 more in revenue into their agency in the next six months. You know, things like that. You just find that you're able to put time on your hands to do the things that you like to do. Did you hear that virtual intelligence and on-hand VAs actually merge? That's right. I was talking to Michael Cruz and checking out what he has there with his Colombian workers. And I said to him, dude, what's up? You realize you're not a VA, right? He said, what do you mean? I said, you're a VE. Look it up on ChatGPT. I encourage you to do that too. He's got forward-facing VEs. VEs that can answer the phone and take questions 30 days in. You say yes to Michael. I want what you have. In 30 days, that's what he delivers. I said, Michael, this is unbelievable. We're strong in the front, but we're really strong in the back end. You provide the external VE for us. We provide the internal VE. I looked at him. I said, buddy, let's do this together. Let's, let's do this. And he looked at me and he put out his hand and like a good solid Cuban American, he said, Jason, I'm committed. Let's do it. And that's what we did. 
We flew to Columbia, we saw his operation, and you need to see it too. Give us a little click at Virtual Intel, that's with two L's, that's Virtual I-N-T-E-L-L.com. Go check us out, see what we're doing. High quality VEs mixed with technology, delivered right into your agency, and you don't have to do all the things that you don't like to do, like hiring, firing, requiring, recreating, trying to find processes. Just, there's so much stuff, I can't even say it right. That's right. Virtual Intel, cast certified. Yep, absolutely, man. I, I couldn't say it better myself. I find it really interesting to to look at the roster of people that I respect and admire, my peers in the industry, and virtually every single one of them has some kind of side project, completely separate from the agency, but related to the industry in some way. Uh, you, obviously, but then we literally go down the list. Carruthers, Paradiso, Billy Wagner, uh, David Watson, who's, I believe, also in South Carolina. And, and, you know, there's, I could go down the list of, you know, 20 or 30 or 40 people that are excellent at being an agency principal, but they also have other entrepreneurial itches that get scratched uh, through a variety of different things. Uh, uh, Trace Meek with Fetch Underwriting, another good example. He's been a guest on the show. Um, but, I always want to ask these questions when I have an agency principal on on the show. It's two basic questions. Uh, just demographics of your agency, um, what you're into as far as line of business mix, if there's other uh, business verticals that you're into other than property and casualty. I'd love to hear about the, the mix of your team. And then if you're comfortable sharing with it, your approximate revenue of the agency as a whole, just so the listeners have an idea of you know, where you fall in, in the landscape of things, because otherwise comparison can be the thief of joy. And it's, it's much more useful, I think, to have, you know, an idea of, hey, this person is a completely different stage of their agency journey than I am. Yeah. So we started, the, the, just to go back, I started the business from scratch, zero customers, me in a spare bedroom at my house. There you go. Uh, be Best way to years, do it. Yeah. 10 years, March 15th. So next month, it'll be a decade. Congratulations. Awesome. Yeah, man. Thank you. And so 10 years later, we have about average of 17 to 18 team members. And we have about 5,000 customers. And I'd say 25% of that is commercial and 75% is personal lines. And uh, we do just north of 2 million in revenue. And as far as products, uh, we don't get wild with products. So it's, it is property and casualty. We do a little mm -hmm. bit of life insurance. We don't do any benefits or, you know, try to push home warranties or anything. Um, Hey, Hey, watch it, pal. Those of us that push home warranties like Armadillo, for instance, there's nothing wrong with that. <laughs> well, I was no. just seeing somebody was pushing, was doing Armadillo and, um, but yeah, we, we, I just we want to say pretty... I was on Armadillo before it was cool. So all of you guys that are jumping on the bandwagon now, you're like two months behind me, suckers. We're not pushing pet <laughs> Sorry, insurance. We'll, we'll switch. Pet insurance. How about that one? Oh man. No. Um, I, who, who is selling pet insurance? Honestly, like who out, is someone, is someone leading with pet insurance standing I out in front of the, is. of the veterinarian? 
Ooh, I want to know that. I want to know the agent who's leading with pet insurance. That must be an interesting person to have on a podcast. I'm telling you right now, you out there listening to this podcast, if you lead with pet insurance, I will have an entire episode devoted to you and how you operate because I would love to hear that story. Please email podcast at riskwell.com and tell me about your pet insurance agency. Sorry, Miles. Go ahead. The thing is, they would have the best following on social media because the number one thing that grabs people's attention is pictures of pets. Uh, So, I mean, they would have to have the best social media following ever. Just post a picture of a dog or a cat constantly. St. Bernard Your social media presence really makes itself. Man, so carry on. Sorry, you you do a little oh, bit of life insurance. I'm the worst podcast host. I, I'm sorry, really? I really am. Your wife was uh, no, no, she's not wrong. So you do a little <laughs> bit of life. You try to stay away from financial services, as we've already discussed. Thank you, Fenra. Yes, yes. Uh, commercial niches. You know, um, we we started from scratch on commercial as well. So I mean, we did everything wrong. We continue to do things wrong. Uh, we are members of Killing Commercial, and we have learned a lot. And I have two commercial producers, and they focus in that area. And so we're starting to kind of, after five years, four years, really figure out what the heck we're doing in that space. And so we've identified some target areas, and we're building pipelines, we're building marketing materials, and building our 30-second commercials. And you know, we're building that out to try to go after pool contractors and... Um, apartment complexes and um, condo associations and as, as, like five things. We, we kind of picked five things um, and we're, we're, we're building that out and going after it. And we're, you know, we're, we're not quite hitting goals yet there, but we're, we have the activity to get there soon. Love it. Now, those are verticals that have a lot of play in South Carolina. There, there's a lot going on there. There's plenty of meat on that bone. Yeah. So uh, the the second, it's a complex question. It's not just one little quick answer. Uh, is on the, the tech and the vendor side of things, if you can just run down the list for me of uh, the vendors that you currently work with for management systems, CRM, other, you know, phone system, whatever. If there's a vendor that you're a big fan of, I'd love for you to give them a shout out real quick. Yeah, so Tech Deck, we have stuck with QQ Catalyst for a very long time since it opened up. We moved from QQ, from QQ Evolution to QQ Catalyst the first day it came out, so a long time. Uh, and then we work with Agency Zoom, and they have been absolutely fantastic. Um, and we work with Lightspeed Voice, uh, so not names that your your listeners don't already know of. Um, yep. Yep. I mean that's the bulk I, you've got to be a do. big fan of of the merger then you know with with agency zoom getting acquired uh, by Vertifor because you're already with Vertifor so the integration between QQ and Zoom just got even tighter in the last few months I would imagine yeah and PL Raider we use PL Raider um, you know I, there's a lot of flashy stuff out there and we get twinkles in our eyes as agency owners and want to chase after them. And it is so much easier to build a tech deck and scratch and move it around when you have three, four, five people. But I'm telling yep. you what, when you have 15, 20 people to move around, it is, I mean, you're in the insurance business, I look at 18 month things. So if I'm going to make a major decision, it's 18 months of building the culture, creating the buy in, and then changing the processes 
and monitoring results to see if we're successful in that switch over an 18 month period. And so for me to switch something like, oh, let's try this, there's no trying. <laughs> it's demo and then you've got an 18 month process to start building something out to move 20 people, including rewriting all of our processes and re-recording -re -re all of our training videos to teach our entire team yep. and creating new KPIs and stuff to understand the data that comes out of that stuff so we can hold our team accountable. And so it's just not an easy thing just to say, oh yeah, let's, let's try this. <laughs> you know, it's, it's a major decision. Well, and it is such good advice uh, to, to have out there because especially, you know, for the, the people that might currently have a small team, but they have very clear aspirations to someday not have a small team. Uh, as, as Carruthers and others would say, well, there you go. There's a, there's a nice show, Carruthers and others. You know, that sounds like a morning talk show if I've ever heard of one. Uh, you know, you've got to act like a big agency if you ever want to be a big agency. And you got to start making decisions like a big agency if you ever want to get there. And vendor selection, I think, is a critical, critical part of, of the puzzle. And like we talked about uh, on the episode that aired uh, recently, uh, one of those biggest distractions that I identified is, you know, trying to keep up with the, the tech stack and always wanting to be aware or on the new thing. Uh, and there's always new things, especially in the insurance industry, because there's so much money uh, yeah. in the uh, in the industry for a vendor. Because, I mean, insurance agents can't help themselves. They have to chase the candy. And if you put candy in front of an insurance agent, more times than not, they're going to nibble on that candy and, and want it. So and anyways, like I, I admire your... Uh, your resolve, your self-control in, in identifying that threat and staying away from the, the hopscotch and the tech stack. Well, and go back to the coaching thing real quick and working with other agency owners. You know, the common is we get distracted by those things. And so I try to go back and realize that most agency owners only use 23, 20 to 30% of whatever tech stack they have. So they're not utilizing the system already in their agencies on for the majority of the time or they have two products that do the exact same thing and they're playing between both. Uh, but their team is not engaged in using the product either. Either the owner is using it and maybe their sales team is using it, but their service team isn't using it. So not the whole agency isn't engaged in the tech feature that they put in place. And so, and then the, the other problem with that is developing all of the language, right? Developing the language and the texts and the emails and the templates and everything that goes with these, a lot of these tools that have it sent out. It's a lot of work to create that. And so where we start in my, when I start doing work with agency owners is at the very, very beginning, James, it's not what, what is the tech feature that we need it's let's identify what we have, what tech features we have, then let's go out and write out, literally take pen or use OneNote, I highly recommend something like Evernote or OneNote, and write out your, in, your anticipate or your intended journey for your prospects. What is your intended journey for your customers, personal, commercial, your intended journey for your team? What does it look like from the very moment they hear about your agency for the first time? What did that sound like? What did that look like? All the way to the very end when your prospect decides to do business with you or not. 
And what does that look like for customers from the very moment they get onboarded to the very moment that it makes, doesn't make sense to work together anymore? And you decide to part ways, did you do business in a way that you can part ways as friends and potentially continue to receive referrals from them? So writing out that entire strategy of what you want that experience to be, which is daunting to most people, but writing that out. So then when you take that, that you take that process and that experience that you want your prospects, customers, and team to have, then you take your tech pieces and you say, okay, can we do that with this? And how close can we get? We can get 90% of the way with the tech features we already have, and it's going to solve 80 to 90% of the problems. Well, that is fantastic. Okay. It's never gonna be a hundred percent. And so, yep. but problem is we don't know what we want. And then we try to go into our tech programs and figure out what, can they provide for us when you don't know what you want? I mean, that was basically you just gave my my uh, keynote in Tampa in <laughs> you know six minutes or whatever it was that that, uh, that comment from you was, which is you have got to figure out what your goals are before you start demoing and selecting vendors. Otherwise, you're going to be really inefficient and you're going to have a whole lot of wasted time and energy. Uh, because, yeah, implement or die is a nice slogan. And Lord knows I say that all the time now, especially when I'm talking to people that you know ask for my opinion or advice on something. It's, are you going to implement this? Well, don't, don't talk about it if you're not going to be about it. So, you know, I mean, thing, all James, the talk in the world. Go ahead. Yeah, well, the other thing I see in this, James, is as an agency owner, you're an agency owner, I am is a lot of times when we're implementing these kinds of things, we're talking about how am I or how is James implementing these things and making the decisions to to do this. It is not mm -hmm. our responsibility, when I like to call it playing the game. It's not our responsibility to be on the court actually playing the game and taking the shots, right? Our job is to stand on the court, on the beside the court and coach the game that's happening in front of us. And so it's our job to challenge our team to say, how do you want our prospect experience to be? How do you want our client experience to be? And then it's our job to guide them to create the prospect experience that makes sense for your vision of the business. And that's what, as Brent Kelly talks about, like that, what's what creates the buy-in. A lot of problems with trying, I find when trying to make a tech play and forcing your team into it, is they weren't a part of the process to decide what goes into it, which tech play you're going to get. They weren't a part of the process for the language you're using with the customers and the prospects. Is again, be a coach and allow your team to run up and down the court and make decisions and call the plays and, and be a part of the design. And so that way they have buy-in. So by the time it's it's you're laying out the processes and saying, okay, this is how we're gonna do it. They know they're a part of the process. They're on the team. Absolutely. You, you hit the nail on the head and I have personally experienced what that looks like. You know, our, our CRM component of our uh, agency has really been the problem child. Uh, I have to acknowledge first off, because I'm about to name drop vendors that we used and no longer use. And that is, it's not their fault. I have to say that RiskWell is definitely a weird operation we do not operate like the typical agency we have an entirely separate third department with real estate investors that we operate on you know 37 states now where an individual contact or client could very easily have 
in two, three, four, five, six deals open at any one time. Uh, we've done almost 6,000 investment properties uh, since launching RiskWell. Uh, Congratulations. And our, thank you. But that creates a very big problems for a CRM uh, because a lot of CRMs are not set up. You know, the data architecture, the backbone of the CRM is not set up where one contact has multiple concurrent deals and, and having deals open at the same time, different deals, completely separate and distinct deals open at the same time creates some real problems. You know, we've been on now certs as our management system. Uh, since the beginning of RiskWell. Uh, I've, I've vocally been unhappy with them. Uh, in the past, last year, uh, we shopped them. and I demoed QQ and demoed a number of other systems and ended up staying with NowCerts. So that part's been consistent for us. But the CRM, man, when we launched RiskWell, we were on active campaign, which is not a, a CRM that's specific to the insurance industry, but it's an extremely high-powered CRM that's industry agnostic. And then we left Active Campaign uh, to be one of the very first agencies on Better Agency back in October of 2019. Uh, that we, we were, I don't know what customer number we were. I'm pretty sure it was single digit uh, customer number there. Uh, but we were on Better Agency for about a year and a half, almost two years. And then we, it just wasn't working for the REI side of things. And I was trying to force it and make it happen instead of listening to my team and making vendor decisions with the feedback from the people on my team that are actually the ones doing the work. I wasn't the one entering stuff into the CRM. They were. And they encountered some very big challenges and brought them to my attention. And I basically said, stop complaining. Go do the work. You know, we, this is our CRM. We're going to be on the CRM. So, uh, you know, get it done. And I really like Better Agency. Uh, I still do. Even though I'm not currently uh, a user, the, our agency is not with them right now. But I'm a big fan of BA. So we leave BA and we go to Agency Zoom. And I felt like I had to apologize to BA because a lot of people are tribal and think that BA and Agency Zoom are sworn enemies. You know, like, like a West Side Story kind of thing. It's like, oh, you switched teams. It's like, hold on. No, I didn't. I really like BA. Uh, and, and Kat Turnus was giving me a little bit of crap, like, oh, well, you're over here now, huh? And uh, it, was, it was more like a, a, a ha-ha, joke's on you, in a, in, a, in a lighthearted sort of way. Kat's fantastic. She's a, a yeah, wonderful she's... leader at Agency Zoom. She's absolutely wonderful, total powerhouse. And we've been on Agency Zoom for six or seven months, not very long, and we basically have determined that while Agency Zoom works great, for personal and commercial, it doesn't work for REI, for the real estate investor stuff. It's not set up to have the customization that we need it to. And so, um, literally two months, uh, two weeks ago, I made the official decision uh, that we're moving back to Active Campaign because REI has been on Active Campaign yeah. since we left Better Agency. Personal and commercial were, was on Agency Zoom. And this is the first time I'm talking about it publicly, so I'm sorry you're getting the full diatribe here. Uh, but it's been just a massive, painful, difficult, frustrating journey with the CRM. And now we're back where we started three years ago with Active Campaign. And I got to say, the exhale of going, okay, everybody's back on one CRM. Everything is in full control. Like we have full customization ability. Yes, there's more legwork involved, but we also have complete control of the way things look and feel. 
there's a, there's a certain value in that. Again, I have to acknowledge that the problems that we had with Agency Zoom and Better Agency, they're not the fault of the platform. For any normal agency, uh, for anyone who's just doing personal and commercial or life and benefits, Agency Zoom supports life and health more so than Better Agency does. Those are perfectly good vendors. But for us, for our evolution, it just wasn't a good fit. So honestly, I'm kind of jealous from your situation of you've been with the same management system for a decade and you've been with the same CRM for a number of years, I would imagine. Your processes and your systems have got to be, just from what I've heard from you, so beautifully buttoned up and standardized and, and templated. So talk to me about that. I'm going to hand you the microphone and say, tell me exactly, or maybe not exactly, but in, in, in high-level detail, how you have led out in creating such a well-documented and well-processed agency. Uh, well, I will say as you know, from a third party view in, it always seems more wonderful than if you're inside, right? Uh, so if, to me, yeah. you know, our our system does not seem buttoned up. I'm always seeing, you know, golly, this is completely unbuttoned or someone else has got it better than us, right? So from the inside out, I don't feel that way. Um, but I'll say that if being consistent using the same systems has been beneficial. We're not switching all the time. Uh, and we've wanted to, but I've just pushed off and pushed off and pushed off to not do it. Uh, so like you said, that has been incredibly helpful. My, I am also, you know, I wouldn't have said this six, seven, eight years ago, James, but I wouldn't say that I'm a fantastic insurance agent. I know enough, right? I'm kind of like my hobbies, James. I'm about 50% good at being a property and casualty insurance agent. I have hired fantastic ones though, and so I have, over the years, um, just mentally, much like the book, The E-Myth, right? I stopped thinking about my product as insurance widgets. That wasn't my product. Ever since like the second or third year in the business, uh, The E-Myth talks about, I'm sure you, have you read The E-Myth? Mm -hmm. Yeah, it's a great book. Many of us have. And so instead of my, my product, instead of hamburgers and, and, and French fries was the was the franchise. Right. Mm -hmm. And so instead of my product being um, insurance policies, it was people. Uh, my product were the successful people in our organization. And that's what I was going to focus my time on. And so I 100 percent separated myself from sales. One day I just cut it off and said, I'm no longer selling insurance. I am, and this is my slogan for producers, the principals, but I'm going to stop competing with my sales and service team. I'm going to start leading my sales and service team. And uh, so when I made that decision to do that, it created time. I'm no longer working on quotes. I'm no longer working on developing leads. I'm working on the process, the sales system, the service system. That is what I spend my time on. And so once I decided that was what I'm going to spend my time on, and that's what I do all day, right? And so that is my main focus is how am I constantly improving the customer, the prospect, and my team experience? That, that is what I do for a living. Uh, and so I, I block my time. My, no one has my extension, James. Uh, if you get on my calendars because you went through Calendly, even my team members have to use Calendly to get on my schedule. Even my friends use Calendly, James. Even my friends do. 
And uh, I mean, it's just it's that's just next the way level, it man. Is. <laughs> um, and so, did you I book was, an appointment for this coffee? Exactly. I go to church with you, man. I don't care. Did you book an appointment? <laughs> I don't care. Um, oh man. And so I just I spend all my time on it. I mean, that's 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 what it is. It's I'm intentional about it, and I spend my time on it. And that's all I talk about from a strategy level. With when I do sales meetings or team meetings, is that we talk about the same things over and over and over again. We talk about our five pillars of customer excellence. We talk about our rally cries. We talk about our points of differentiation. We talk about those things every single time. And then uh, Brent Kelly, I was on a call with him. He's my business coach. And uh, and so I was like, man, how do I manage managers? I've never had to do it. I've always just managed myself. How do I manage managers? And so as we're brainstorming, he came up with these three P words that makes it, makes it easy for me is every single call I have with leaders on my team is we're going to talk about people, processes, and practicing. And so like, well, that that's what I needed. That's what I've been looking for. So every time when I'm looking to figure out how do I talk with people and figure these things out and create new processes is how are our people doing? Are our processes, are our processes helping them accomplish their goals? And are we practicing these things at every meeting? I don't know if that answers your question, James, or how we figure it out, but that's constantly, there's someone dedicated on our team to enhance the experience and make sure we're doing it better all the time. So the fact that someone on your team is in that role and they are dedicated, uh, that tells me a lot about how you are operating. And I mean, kudos to you for taking full advantage of the extra bandwidth that you, you get to enjoy when you've been doing it successfully for 10 years and you have 18 people on your team. Because with 18 people, there's quite a bit of complexity that you can get into with your org chart and with you know roles and responsibilities and the way that you structure uh, the flow of things inside your office. You know, the handoff between the sales team and the service team. You know, are you introducing the service team during the sales process and making sure that your sales team isn't handling routine service calls after the point of sale. You know, exactly. That one particular thing is is an ongoing challenge for our office of training the prospect and then later the insured to call the right person or to do things exactly how we want them to do. And I posted in, in the podcast group on Facebook uh, that we made the decision that after uh, March 1st, or I should say effective March 1st, we are requiring every single service request uh, to be completed on our service request form on the website. And if someone calls in and says, hey, I need, a, I need to remove a vehicle, we're going to say, great, we are happy to help you with that. Go to riskwell.com slash service from your phone or your computer, fill out that form, and we'll take care of it for you. We'll get your updated documents sent over, no big deal. There's not going to be any more of this. Call the office and place a service request right there over the phone and then speak out a VIN. Man, I don't know if there's a more miserable thing we do in the insurance industry than to listen to someone tell a VIN over a telephone. Because, I mean, how many letters, how many letters in the alphabet sound the same over the phone? I mean, how many end with that E, that E sound? I want to know how that goes. Uh, really, I mean, I, if I was to pull up Agency Zoom right now and go to our service center, which we launched last year, we use the service center for everything. 
our average month right now, we're still working through, uh, um, we'll be through one quarter of using the service center completely uh, next month. And so right now we're averaging 850 to 860 service tickets a month. That's how many service tickets we're averaging. Good so Lord. Every, everything comes in as a service ticket. And, uh, but they're coming in through the phone. They're coming in through email. They're coming in through Facebook Messenger. They're coming in through all over the place, right? And, um, and so, and I'm building out that service page on our website where our customers can go to and request service tickets. And then mm-hmm. Agency Zoom from there will grab that ticket automatically. That'll place it in the round robin. The person will be selected and the customer gets an automatic text message and email notifying them of the service ticket be created. And then it gives them, my goal is by the next couple months is they'll also be sent links to blogs with articles to tell them what to expect over the next couple of days based on the type of request that they that they did. So letting them yep. know, for example, you have 14 days of automatic coverage on a newly acquired vehicle. You purchased mm-hmm. your car at 5.30 on Friday. Uh, you know, we'll do this Monday. And it's gonna be fine. Uh, and so, but we have 850 of those. James, if I could get everyone to go on our website and create service tickets and not call in, oh my God, my profit margin would soar. Well, and here's the thing. We've been slowly moving in that direction for the last six months and very consistently asking someone to go to the form. Hey, do you mind going to the form on the website? Hey, thanks for your your text into our main office line with your vehicle change. Thank you for texting us. Please, for God's sake, don't ever text us a material change to your policy. And oh, by the way, thank you for that request. Here's the link. Put in the form and then we'll let you know when it's officially done. And oh, by the way, no change is officially done until we tell you it's done. Your act of submitting this form does not bind a coverage change. It just means that, okay, we're actively working on it now. Now, one of the things, I forget who it was that said it. There is a very big difference between requesting or suggesting and requiring and saying, this is how we do business. This is why it's in your best interest, Mr. or Mrs. Insured. This is why it's a good thing that we're doing this. If you don't want to do it this way, we completely appreciate your uh, pushback and please let us know when we should cancel your policy. I love that. Suggesting, requesting, requiring. There's a big difference. Well, because, yeah, if someone says no, then, well, then we've got a problem. But if if you tell people ahead of time, and really the main reason why we're doing March 1st is to give me time to set up the automations and to coach my producers on the existing pipeline of, hey, I just want to set a reasonable expectation for you during the sales process so you know ahead of time this is how we do things here. So when someone learns during the sales process the way things go, they're a whole lot less likely to push back. And yeah, there's going to be some pushback from existing insureds. And I'm okay with that. Because here's the thing. We ran some basic numbers and I anticipate that we might have three or four points of retention lost this year. But the amount of profit, the amount of you know, service load that is decreased by simply eliminating all the other ways that people can request something and saying, we have a really nice website. Thank you, Advisor Evolved. We have great forms that are thoughtfully designed, that are as minimalistic as possible, very easy to fill out. This We have created a system that is perfect uh, for, for this from a speed and efficiency and ease of use standpoint. When you add that in, we're, we're going live with Glovebox 
uh, for personal lines on March 1st. I'm a big fan of Glovebox and what they do. I've been intentionally not getting on Glovebox because they, they haven't rolled out the commercial support yet, mm-hmm. but I can't wait any longer. I need them for personal lines. But adding that service inbox or that service form, I should say, inside of Glovebox where they click here to request service and then we simply say, you will download this app and this is how you will communicate. And inside the app, there's a click to call button. There's a click to email button. There's a click for service. There's a click for claims. And if you don't want an app on your phone, then you're probably not our target prospect anyway. You're probably someone who prefers to pick up the phone and call. And, you know, we're not going to be like that anymore. We're still available, absolutely, for a consultation, for a question about coverage, for, hey, what do you suggest I do with this situation or this challenge that I'm having? Or I, I need help, you know, overcoming insert here. Absolutely. That's the whole reason why we're doing the service thing is we want to create time and create bandwidth for meaningful interactions and pushing all the routine crap uh, to the website. Because if a robot can do it just as well as a human, then for God's sake, I do not want a human doing it. So anyways, I know that's my diatribe on the whole, this is why we're pushing people to the website thing. But I don't know. Maybe that's something to to consider out there, uh, Freedom Jumper, and and maybe even you, Miles. I don't know. Uh, You've got so much volume that, I mean, even two or three points of efficiency increase. You know, if you can cut down your average time to get something done by one minute, then that has a measurable impact on your net profit. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, definitely. So, man, you and I did not have any problem burning through an hour on this interview. We, we are at, you know, seven seconds away from a full hour. I so, feel like we could man. get, we, we, we stayed pretty, uh, I don't know, I don't think we went deep on anything. We stayed pretty, uh, we, we, got all, we, we touched a lot of bases. We did, yeah, for sure. I'm not surprised, honestly. You and I are professional talkers, and we really dig this stuff. Uh, we, we, we like to, to chop it up, to use a, a cast phrase so hey James, anything you want to want to miss some point yeah i was just going to say at some point i would uh love to know more about what you're doing for agency owners and and i know you're releasing that as well and um we we started it, this conversation with talking about coaching uh yep. agency owners and what that looks like so i i look forward i think you're going to be and are you going in april to um kansas city missouri I am. Yeah, I'll be at Brainshare uh, and looking awesome. forward to that. So uh, anything you want to bring up before we land the plane? Uh, well, I, I'd i say the last thing is, um, you know, if you're an agency owner out there and you have hit a glass ceiling, uh, which many do, and I talk to a lot of them, and I'm sure, James, you do as well. You hit that glass ceiling. You can't push any faster. You're losing time. Um you know, you're, you're working hard, long hours is the, the biggest thing that helped me cross barriers was changing my network is I found if you're at a half a million dollars in revenue, then you should be talking to agency owners who are in your network that are three times your size. So if you're a half a million, you want to be talking to people who are running $1.5 million shops. If you're at a million, you want to be talking to people at $3 million shops. If you're at three, you want to be talking to people at $6 million shops because they have worked through problems that you're going to run into or are running into right now. And they have already worked through those. 
And so in my experience, when I was doing it all by myself, it took me years to work through problems. But as soon as I opened up my network and started surrounding myself with people who were two, three times larger than my shop, I started to realize, oh, this is why they have managers in their agencies. And this is how they manage those people. And this is how they build teams. And this is how they build culture. And so it helped me mentally transition myself from an agency producer, um, operator to uh, someone who uh, I try to say that I, I run an insurance agency that is growing and is building teams and building you know customers that make sense for our agency. So what you're saying, Miles, is you were the first one to go through the producers, the principals program. <laughs> for sure, for sure. <laughs> yeah. Oh, man. I, I had to throw that little plug in there. So if somebody wants to learn more about your program and potentially talk to you about coaching, uh, what's the best way to get a hold of you for that? Miles at producers to principles.com is my email. Uh, producers to principles.com is the website. And um, what I like to say is helping agency owners to stop acting like producers and start acting like the principles their agencies desperately need. All of us can become agency owners, but not all of us will become the principles of them. And stop competing with your sales team and your service team and start leading your sales and service team. They will build your business for you. You just have to show them how to do it. I can't think of a better way to end this episode, man. I really appreciate you spending some time with me, Miles. Uh, he is Miles Merwin, the founder and CEO of Advisors Insurance Agency, as well as the founder and first customer, as we just heard, of the Producers to Principles coaching program. Miles Merwin, thanks for joining me, man. Uh, ladies and gentlemen, uh, boys and girls, this is the Agency Freedom Podcast. And uh, you guys have a great day out there. Or I should say, make it a great day. I totally botched that ending. Make it a great day, <laughs> boys and girls. We will talk to you soon. Thanks. Thanks for listening to the Agency Freedom Podcast. Please subscribe to AFP on your favorite podcasting platform to get automatic updates on every new episode and help other people find us organically. If you like the content you hear, please drop us a quick review and tell the world what you like best. Most importantly, please share agency freedom with someone you know who is still on the captive side of the insurance world. They'll thank you later. You can connect with other Freedom Jumpers, ask questions, get advice, and share your best practices in our Facebook group. Just type Agency Freedom Podcast in the search bar. Visit our website at agencyfreedompodcast.com to sign up for our email list and get access to exclusive resources and sign up to be a potential future guest on the show. We welcome your comments, feedback, and ideas. Email podcast at riskwell.com and we'll look forward to hearing from you. Agency Freedom Podcast, where we help our listeners go from captive to indie to market domination. Until next time, let's go. Are you looking for an insurance community to join? Have you heard of the LAAIA? The Latin American Association for Insurance Agents is just not for Latins. Their focus on diversity and inclusion over the last few years has made this 54-year-old association one of the fastest growing and the most dynamic associations in the industry. 
With established chapters in Florida, Houston, Dallas, Atlanta, and Denver, it's no surprise this association has the attention of everyone in this industry. Their upcoming national convention on beautiful Marco Island includes keynote speaker Trisha Griffith, the CEO of Progressive. National leaders from around the country like Marshberry, Vertifor, Lula, and more will be here on center stage as well. And whether you're an independent agent, a captive agent, life or health agency, or even a financial services professional, this association offers you everything you need to network and grow your business. Make sure you check them out and consider joining me, Jason Cass, at the next upcoming convention. It's going to be August 21st, the 24th, at the JW Marriott on stunning Marco Island. This has been Cass Approved.